The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. Sarah with the First Circle, and today I have Andrea Lithgow, and Andrea is a childbirth educator and just overall birth guru who knows everything <laughs> about birth, and today we're talking about birth plans, an entire episode just about how to create the perfect birth plan, because a perfect birth plan means a perfect birth, right? Uh, right. If only no. it works so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, the ideal anyway. Right. So tell us, how did you get into birth? Where did this all start? Well, I started in college studying health education, and uh, they told us when I was in college that at some point we would find a subject area that we would just fall in love with. And I didn't find that by the time I graduated (laughs) from college. Uh, But I did, uh, when I had my baby, my first baby, I did kind of fall in love with learning about pregnancy. And so even after she was born... I couldn't stop reading about pregnancy. And I remember what at one point she was about 10 months old and I'd been to the library and I grabbed a pregnancy book that they had on the new releases. And I took it home and my husband saw it sitting on the counter and said, is there something I should know? <laughs> uh, but I just couldn't stop learning about it. I couldn't mm. stop reading about it. And then I realized that I could, in in my health education, I could impact health a lot if I worked with families during the time that they were having babies. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I was kind of obsessed with reading about it anyway. So <laughs> You are a reader, an obsessive reader, right? <laughs> an obsessive learner, compulsive learner. That's what's yes. called. Awesome. So, you, um, so why are you passionate about birth plans specifically? Like how can... Well, I found that when families plan for their births and take the time to figure out how they want to have their birth go, that they have much better odds of navigating things in a way that leaves them at the end of their birth experience feeling good about what happened, feeling empowered, feeling much more confident as parents. Good. I I read a birth plan. It says, um, my plan for birth, push, have a baby, nurse, the end. And then a slightly longer version start labor, swing hips a lot, ignore it as long as possible, have a baby, the end. Right. I mean, that's the basic, the the story arc goes the same every time you have a baby. Um, But what is the, what is specific, like what are the parts of a birth plan? Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of dissect it for us. Like I've, I've heard, well, I mean, I'll lead you here. I've heard stories about people bringing in birth plans to hospitals and Mm then the hospital's kind of going against it on purpose because they feel like they're being controlled or being demanded of. Right. And then I've had other people that said, oh my gosh, they followed my birth plan perfectly. And I'm like, what's the plan? What did they, what did they follow? What was the nuance? Like, right. What's well, there definitely are a few bad apples who get resistant to birth plans. And we can talk a little bit about, um, how to avoid that. Yeah. But in my experience, and I've attended births as a doula for 20 years now, in my experience, most staff are happy to help, are happy to do what they can. 
to help you get the plant, the birth that you want. So I think those stories are kind of few and far between. And I, I Why do worry. they always have to be the loudest? I know, I know right? Um, I worry that that will keep people from wanting to plan their birth. Mm-hmm. But technically speaking, everybody has a birth plan. Even if your birth plan is to get no prenatal care and just show up at the hospital and get an epidural. That's your plan. That's, that's a birth plan. It's not the document, but it is a plan for your birth. Okay. So sometimes I run into people who say that uh, they're not going to plan their births. They're just going to do whatever. But they do have at least that very minimal birth plan. They've chosen a care provider. They've chosen a place to birth. That's the plan. That's the plan. Okay. So what are some elements that you can do like in pre-labor that would be part of a birth plan? Okay. Well, the first step is to explore your options. Find out what your options are for your birth. Uh, Where can you birth? Can you birth in a hospital? Which hospitals are accepting your insurance? Could you birth in a birth center? Could you birth at home? Mm -hmm. Choosing where you birth, uh, choosing who you birth with. Maybe that's a midwife. Maybe that's an obstetrician. Maybe it's a family practice doctor. Mm -hmm. Putting together the rest of your support team. That might be a professional doula. That might be your mom. That might be your sister. But just kind of putting together the the team of people who's going to support you. And I want to emphasize that the place you give birth in is really, really important. There was a landmark case recently Mm -hmm. where um, the mother had picked a hospital based on some advertising, some mother-based, some some really nice graphics and some marketing Mm -hmm. that looked really attractive to her. And when she got there, it wasn't what the marketing was at all. And long story short, I mean, it's a very, very interesting case, but um, she ended up winning in a lawsuit for birth trauma. They, um, and so I think that it's that y- you said, pick your place. I think that that's Absolutely. your first step. And yeah, normally you don't have the market. Normally, you know, you don't have that problem, right. but really she went in with a certain expectation right. that the place she had chosen would provide a certain type of of experience. Right. And it didn't. And a really good place to learn more about hospitals in, as you're choosing how you birth is a company called Leapfrog. Their website is leapfrog.org. And there's um, really good information there. You can see epidural rates, induction rates, episiotomy rates, for cesarean rates for all the hospitals. Oh my goodness. So So if you're going in there for a VBAC, Vaginal birth after C-section with mm-hmm. a in a hospital that has a seventy percent C-section rate. Yeah, you can kind of get an idea <laughs> well, how that might go. <laughs> okay, so that's basic planning. Where are right. you going to give birth? What Where provider? Are you give birth? Got it. Who are you going to give birth with? And then you can also think about how you're going to give birth. Do you want pain medication or do you want to go with without it and do a natural birth? Do you? What, and what does, I mean, yeah. birth, all birth is natural. Right. I mean, so that word is kind of a loaded I know, word. I know. So I want to say natural to me means people say if it comes out, if the baby mm-hmm. comes out of the vagina, that right. to a lot of people means natural, but to some people it means no right. drugs. But that's when you would say an unmedicated, unmedicated or unaugmented birth. birth. Right. So yeah, you have to think about that and make sure you're speaking the right language <laughs> with your care provider saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so, C-section is a pretty natural way. Right. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, first right. it's natural. So then um, what are um, what are some questions you can ask your care provider when you're interview- okay. interviewing them as part of your plan? 
well, if you have an idea how you want to give birth, and you know, for example, that you uh, that you would like to use an epidural and have as little pain as possible, you can sit, ask them and say, how soon in labor are you willing to do the epidural? How do you support women with an epidural? You can ask about cool. benefits and risks. So like if, you, if your plan says, I want to wait as long as possible for the epidural, mm-hmm. you can check with your care provider before and make sure they're cool with that. Right. Absolutely. Or like, I want the epidural the minute my feet hit the hospital floor. Right. And that's yes, ma'am. <laughs> that's the first line. Yes. Right. So if you have instead decided that you don't want to use any pain medication and you want the freedom to move about during labor and you'd like to use water, maybe get in the tub or in the shower for labor, you can ask the care provider about those things. You can say, what positions are you comfortable delivering in? Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable with people laboring in the tub? Mm-hmm. How late in labor are you comfortable with that? And then write your plan accordingly. This is really exactly. good information because you might find out some things along the way. Right. That, um, and also, I, I've said this before, but I believe that a lot of birth birth trauma is mm-hmm. client provider mismatch. Oh, absolutely. Oh, finally I get an agreement. Some people are like, <laughs> no, and I'm like, no, really, because it can go the other way. Um, if you want a highly managed birth and mm-hmm. you have, um, you feel safe when somebody, an educated person takes over the entire birth right. process for you and you end up with uh, somebody who's very <laughs> very laid back. I was going to say, woo woo, Lu- Lucy. Yeah, very yeah. laid back. That will make you feel unsafe. Right. So during the interview process, um, if they're not giving the answers that fit with you, for sure. That yeah, it's all relative to what you yeah. want. Yeah, I don't believe that. Well, there's probably a few really bad apples, but I think for the most part, there's not good doctors and bad doctors no. so much as there is. I don't think so either. A good match and a bad match, and you mm-hmm. absolutely can change care providers mid-pregnancy if you find that you have a bad match. Yeah. Oh, and another point is a birth plan is not a contract. No, it's not. You can't contract birth. Right. <laughs> it's not like building a house. No. <laughs> you it's not did a that plumbing wrong. <laughs> it's not a contract and it's not a script either. Mm-mm, not a script. It's, yep. it's a plan. It's a, this is how I would like this to go. And, and that's why I think it's really important that once you have evaluated your options and figured out what you want, that you put your plan into action, that you make sure you have that good match with your birthplace and with your care provider, Mm -hmm. that you assemble a team who's there for you. I remember one time I was at a birth uh, when the mom had planned on not using an epidural. She'd invited her mother to the birth because the mother really wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. Her mother sat in the corner of the room wringing her hands over and over again and saying, oh, honey, this is so hard for me to see you like this. Please just get the epidural for your mother. Just get it for me. Oh, wow. Right. It was really, really hard for my client. And I, I asked her later if I could share that story because I find it a really good example of being careful who you invite to your birth. Mm-hmm. Make sure anyone you invite to your birth is comfortable with your birth plan. Nobody owes you, wow. Let's try this again, Sarah. You don't owe anything to anybody to be your birth. Wow. It's just not coming out right today. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, nobody can demand a presence in your right. birth space. Not even the father. <laughs> right. Really. I mean. So only have people there mm-hmm. at your birth plan or at your birth if they support your birth plan. Mm-hmm. You don't want someone coming to your birth if they're going to be constantly sitting in the corner 
trying to emotionally manipulate you into changing your birth plan. I was going to say, my dad was at my birth. He did not, he did not um, like how I was giving birth, but that he didn't, Mm -hmm. he just made sure he said he kept his keys in his hand the whole time in case, because I did a home birth. He, in case he had to run me to the hospital really fast. He said he recently, this is like eight years ago I gave birth, but he recently told me that he'd practiced the route (laughs) to the hospital. (laughs) And I was like, really? He's like, well, I had a long, lot of time on my hand. I just want to make sure all my bases were covered. (laughs) That's actually kind of sweet. It's really sweet. But the point is, I mean, while he didn't support the way I'd given birth, right. he was not about to change the energy around my birth. And I had no idea until yeah. eight hours, eight years later Good. that he had set up this whole like Good. plan C. <laughs> and some people are capable of doing that and some people aren't. Yeah. Think carefully about your family and who you're inviting and if they're capable of that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, I just want to also tell a story about my fourth birth. I'd never given mm-hmm. birth in water because that seemed really gross to me. Right. And my husband said, um, I would like, uh, I would like to try a water birth this time. And I was like, ew, no gross. And he said, well, but I think it would like help me be more intimate with you. Like, I think it would help us be closer. And I think I could support you better in water. And I was like, my ears perked up. And I'm like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> and so we tried it. Oh man, it was dreamy. I mean, it was, it was great with him too, but it helped with my labor. And so yeah. we worked that into our plan. It was, it was, my husband had an idea and I, I wasn't vehemently opposed to it. So we went with it and it was awesome. Good. Good. So what other, what's, a, what's an example of a something you shouldn't put in your birth plan? I think it's really careful if you decide to write a document with your birth plan. And not everybody does. I don't think the document is the important part of birth planning. But if you decide to write a document, I think it's really important to not present to your care provider a list of no, 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 don't do this, don't do this, no, no, no. Because I think that instantly sets up an atmosphere of conflict. I think if with your birth planning... If you keep it positive and phrase things in a way that enlists their help rather than pushes them away, Mm -hmm. then you can build a collaborative relationship with your care provider. And I think that goes over a lot better. So maybe instead of writing on your birth plan, I don't want an epidural, don't offer me an epidural. You could instead say, I'm planning to give birth without pain medication. I would appreciate your help in staying active and upright during birth and any suggestions you might have for ways Mm -hmm. to cope with contractions that aren't pain medication. They come across very differently. Yeah. The tone is completely different. Right. Have you ever heard of um, someone using a, like a password, meaning I don't want an epidural, I don't want this, but if I say this word... Oh, he'll give me that epidural. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I teach about this in my classes. We call it the code word. Uh, that un, until and unless someone has said the code word, we continue encouraging them towards the original birth plan. But the minute they say that code word, we We're know done. that they've definitely decided to change their plan. And, and that way you that. don't have to mention it at all. You don't have to say, would you like, oh, the pain scale. You can ask for them not to Absolutely. use the pain scale. Um, but, but that's an example. Like, don't mention the pain scale until somebody says right. the code word, and then you're allowed to, whatever, mm-hmm. ask a question about pain or... Exactly. Yeah. And, and again, you could phrase it positively. Instead of saying, don't ask me the pain scale, you could say, please just chart client declined for the pain scale until 
you hear the until code I'm word, ready to look until, at the pain scale. Right. I just remember them showing that to me my first birth. I'm like, what the heck is this? Yeah. Some people definitely find it really <laughs> hard to work through the sensations of labor when someone is constantly asking them to rate their pain. Yeah. And, and what good does it do the provider anyway? Just right. To know, making sure you're miserable enough. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of those things that they tend to do hospital wide. You know, if you're recovering from surgery, yeah, I understand you definitely the want that to be evaluated. <laughs> but when you're trying to do have a baby without pain medication is a very different story. So you can absolutely put in your birth plan, yeah. please don't ask me this and just chart patient declined every time. And in my experience, they're very, very willing to do that. What else um, should you maybe steer away from in your birth plan? Length. Oh, length. That's <laughs> a good point. You want to keep it short and sweet for sure. Uh, how, about, how about graphical drawings and like stickers? and? You, you can do a little bit of that. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of the, of the icon style birth plans um, for a couple of reasons. One is that they don't show a whole lot of depth of thought. Hmm. And in my experience, when you write your own words, the effort involved in writing your own words in, That's in that a great document point. does get a little bit more respect. And then the second reason I'm not a huge fan of icon birth plans is that far too many icon birth plans, the little icons that they use are a circle with a slash through it. Oh, and that's a no symbol. And that's a very negative thing. So if you end up with a page that it has maybe 20 icons and 18 of them are a circle with a slash through it, then you've created that, that conflict. Okay. So give some more examples of um, things that you could, that are positive that you could put in the birth plan. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Give me two examples. Give me an extreme like home birth birth plan and okay. an extreme hospital birth plan and what, what those would look like in positive terms. Okay. This is good. I'm getting out the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're planning a home birth, uh, you probably have a midwife that you have worked with throughout labor and you have some continuity of care and longer prenatal visits and things. So many people who are planning a home birth find that they don't feel like a document is as necessary mm. for a home birth. Uh, I still think it can be a useful exercise. Exercise, exactly. If, if that's something that you want to do. Uh, but if you were to write a birth plan for a home birth, I have seen things like, you know, we're planning a home birth uh, and asking for things like, um, you know, please keep family and neighbors out of the home while we're birthing, mm -hmm. maybe put a sign on the door. Um, I have seen home birth plans that say, you know, if I haven't already done it, my uh, affirmation cards that I want hung up are here and please hang them up around the room for me. Uh, I have seen birth plans with things like um, help yourself to any of the food in the yep. refrigerator when you come, you know, or I've put together uh, a a box of snacks for my labor support that is, you know, in this spot mm -hmm. and feel free to grab that. I love going to births that are catered. Let me tell yeah. you that. <laughs> I know I've been to a birth with you that was catered. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, yeah. So it's nice to have uh, that birth plan to kind of help logistically. Mm -hmm. uh, for a hospital birth, you may get a care provider whoever's on call for your group practice. It might not be the one that you've seen throughout your birth. Mm -hmm. You will almost certainly get a labor nurse you've never met before. Certainly. And so in that situation, it can be a little bit more helpful to have that communication tool, to have that document that you can Oh, also, share. a thought of mine, I 
I would think that your partner would be a good advocate for the birth plan mm-hmm. because if you go in the hospital, you're not really in the mood to be, I mean, they're already asking you a million questions right? and you're not really in the position to like start educating your new nurse about your birth plan. So this right. would probably be a good time for the partner to say, okay, hey, pull her aside and say, hey, this is our birth plan. Yep. Is that kind of... In my experience, in probably the last five to 10 years, every single hospital asks on admission, do you have a birth plan? Really? It is part of their... Oh my goodness. I feel like I would birth in the dark ages. That's amazing. So I'm, I'm seeing that a lot more often. And so they'll ask, do you have a birth plan? And that's the time they pull it out and give it to them. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. And that can be a really helpful thing. If your nurse goes off shift and someone else comes in, they can read through the birth plan Mm -hmm. before they come in. It's just all very, um, it's a good communication tool. Yeah. Very easy to be consistent and make sure everybody knows the same things. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So um, do you have any funny stories or any examples of, of like how birth plans didn't go the way or went the way accidentally? Or Right. Well, sometimes they absolutely go the way they're planned because of the, the time and the, 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 because of the time the family has put into making it work. Um, they've chosen a good care provider and a good care, a good place. They've taken a good childbirth class and learned and planned all of the uh, techniques that they have experienced. And sometimes things go very smoothly. Sometimes they don't, though. Uh, I have had clients who have had to, at the very last minute, um, switch hospitals. You know, and I'm thinking of one client in particular who uh, her water broke just before 36 weeks and her hospital didn't have an intensive care unit. And so they wouldn't take her there Oh, because she was before 36 weeks. So they sent her to another hospital that did have an intensive care unit. So that was a pretty big change in her birth plan. Yeah. She could no longer have the midwife she'd seen her whole time because her midwife didn't have privileges at the new hospital. Oh man. So suddenly she was in a different hospital with a different care provider um, in a different city, even she had to switch to a different city to birth. So uh, thankfully, she'd hired me. <laughs> that was one consistent thing between <laughs> hire the two. a doula. <laughs> so I was able to go with her, um, and we were able to sit down. The new hospital was great. The care providers kind of sat down with her. We kind of went over her birth plan. Some things had to change because her baby was going to be born prematurely. Mm -hmm. So some things had to change. We had to talk about what would happen if the baby needed to go to the intensive care unit, which she was right on the border. Some babies Mm -hmm. would need it and some babies wouldn't. So um, it turned out her baby didn't. But we had that talk in early labor about how this might change and adapt the birth plan. Yeah, I was going to say, so the next thing I wanted to ask is um, how you can make this exercise an empowering and strengthening exercise and not an exercise in disappointment right. or confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many moms, again, you know, when, when something happens, sometimes you swing radically to the other side right. and then you balance out kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I see birth plans as being used as kind of a, a, a way to um, rebel against what had happened <laughs> in the past or, or fears. And right. I see birth plans being used as a tool like, to try and quell those fears, but really making those fears more great. Does that make sense? Yeah. So absolutely. if you plan this birth and you have it all written out and mm-hmm. 
and it's beautiful and you've researched everything and it doesn't go according to your paper, that in and of itself can be really traumatic. It can be, uh, depending on how much you have, uh, how much stock you put on it going exactly as planned. How do you Um, not like put your heart into it when you've been hurt before Mm -hmm. or you're so afraid of birth that this birth plan is the only like thread of sanity you have? And that is a really difficult thing for people who have had traumatic births to try and go into their next birth feeling more open to what may or may not happen. Um, But dealing with trauma or fears by trying to control your next birth with a really super it sounds like a good plan birth plan right right no doesn't really work oh. <laughs> so so the key is to deal with trauma and fear in other ways and that might be through journaling it might be through therapy it might be through um, mm-hmm. support groups um, I have worked with a few clients in this situation who've experienced loss before or have experienced some pretty traumatic things in the past. And I've always encouraged them to try and uh, work through those things independently of this birth and not necessarily depend on this birth to be the redemption experience. Oh, say that again. Try and work through past births independently instead of counting on this birth to be a redemption experience. And it absolutely can be. I fell into that. Yeah. I thought this next birth is going to be better. Every time I thought this birth is going to be better, this birth is going to be better, this birth could... I don't mean they were better, but no, I right. I should not have gone into shoulds, whatever. Yeah. Maybe not, yeah. Right. Not looking at them as, okay, this time I'm going to I'm going to be a better birther. My body's right. going to behave better. Right. This time I'm not going to tear. This time I'm not going to whatever. Yeah. And it absolutely can there be a redemptive still experience. still a lot of fear, but don't don't put all your hopes and dreams into your next birth, making everything. I mean, I better. feel a lot of emotions coming up about this <laughs> because I feel like I was a pretty empowered birther, but right. I did put a lot of um, hope in the redemption of the next birth right. that it would kind of erase the memory of the trauma of the first mm-hmm. birth, or and it doesn't erase Mm-mm. the memories of the trauma, which is why you kind of need to work through that as its own experience. Each experience is its own experience. And sometimes... Because even if they're all perfect, they're all different. They're all different. Perfect meaning non-traumatic. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's how I define a perfect birth. (laughs) So, and that's a a hard, hard thing. And and as a doula and a childbirth educator, I'm not really qualified to... Wow, that's what was going to be my next question. (laughs) How do you help a woman work through this? Referrals, referrals, (laughs) referrals. Well, who would she refer to? I would refer them uh, to a therapist or a support group, uh, or there's an online organization uh, that does help people process birth trauma that I that I will sometimes refer people to if they're not wanting to do in-person therapy or support. I think this is the nuance I was looking for all along, is that mm-hmm. the birth plan is a tool just it like is. you would pack your chapstick in your bag. Exactly. But you don't expect the chapstick to save you exactly. from the past traumatic births. And that I think is the right. is the kicker is that people right. look to birth plans as, as a second draft, third draft, and right. it shouldn't be looked at that way. I often tell people birth planning is a lot like wedding planning. Oh, I love <laughs> wedding analogies. Bring it on. <laughs> that you could spend hours and hours and hours on Pinterest and plan the perfect wedding on Pinterest 
But unless you actually get out there and find a groom and oh. <laughs> hire the right what? venue and the right caterer and all that stuff, your wedding is not going to happen. And what if it rains? And Right. And just like a wedding, mm-hmm. sometimes it rains that day and you have to adapt the plan. Maybe you had a backup venue to your outdoor wedding. Mm-hmm. Maybe you were going to put up a tent if rain was in the forecast, but not if it wasn't. So sometimes when things aren't going your way in labor, you have to adapt the plan. And I think that's really key. The idea of adapting the plan rather than just chucking it out the window and say, well, I have to be induced. So there goes the birth plan. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily. Because that feels really unsafe too. It's like, oh no, what do I do now? So maybe towards the end of your pregnancy, um, things have not been going as planned. Your health is starting to to deteriorate or your baby's health is. And an induction becomes a good idea. And maybe that wasn't in the original plan. Um, But you can sit and look at your birth plan and say, okay, well, we're going to be induced because it is the right choice at this point. Mm -hmm. So what then from my birth plan? Okay, I wanted to be up and active and moving around. I can look and see, does my hospital have wireless monitors that I could still walk the halls while being monitored during the induction? Mm -hmm. Could I still do this? Could I still do that? So I want to, let's brainstorm some of those, um, those little things that mm-hmm. people may not be aware are options. So one right. of them is the wireless monitor. Wireless I know monitor. I was told I couldn't get up because the mm-hmm. monitor had a cord. And then to learn later that they had the wireless ones, I was super put out. I was like, excuse me. Right. It was for your convenience only. But okay, so a wireless monitor. Yeah. Um, you can opt to... Um, you could opt to have a HEPLOC, which is where mm-hmm. they... They put in the... It's a short piece of tubing into the vein that they cap off. So if you need an epidural, if you need any type of drugs, they have it ready for you, Mm -hmm. um, but that you don't have to be hooked up to an IV. Right. And again, it depends on why you're having that change. I have a lot of people that I've worked with who didn't want an IV at all, but then they were positive for group beta strep and Mm -hmm. needed antibiotics through an IV every four hours. And so that's exactly what they chose. I would pick, if I had that again, I would pick um, a request that the bag of um, saline Mm -hmm. be put on a warmer before being put into my body. Okay, yeah. (laughs) That might go on my birth plan because it just made me so cold to put that cold fluid. It was a winter. I just remember just shivering every time they gave me a dose. Yeah, and some people are hot in labor and like that cold. And like that, yeah, there you go. There's not really any one right way, but you can be thinking about what you might want. What are some other things? Like birth positions? Yeah, birth positions. Um, Even with the epidural, there's a little bit of flexibility in what you can do. Mm -hmm. Um, not as much as there is without an epidural, but there is some flexibility. I think a really great question to ask your care provider is what positions are you comfortable catching in? Mm -hmm. And and if you decide to have an epidural, you can ask that same question Mm -hmm. again. What positions are you comfortable catching in with an epidural? Mm -hmm. And how long are you willing to go with a water unbroken? Like if if the care provider is going to use um, breaking the water or... Rupturing the membranes as a, as an augmentation tool. How long are they gonna? When are they gonna do that? Right. And what? Um, when are they going to suggest that? When are they going to suggest that and and say? Because it was in my labor, mm-hmm. one of them that was a tool that the midwife wanted to use, and I. But the baby was severely um, posterior, and I say severely because oh, he was posterior, very very strongly, and I wanted to see if I could flip him, right. and so she. Um, 
did not want to give me the time to flip him. Mm-hmm. And I won, but I, <laughs> but it was just like, we yeah. had to had this discussion is, is he in danger? No. Right. Then why won't you give me an hour to see if I can flip him before you break the water? Exactly. And she eventually conceded, but that was something that I even didn't even think of putting in my birth plan. Right. Or, you know, and not the paper plan, but in my head, what would right. I do? Absolutely. And you can, you can't really think of all the possibilities all of when them. you're writing. <laughs> you definitely want to keep your birth plan short. I would say one or two pages maximum. Mm-hmm. Um, I did ask a, a group of nurses once at a lunch at a conference, what was the longest birth plan they had seen? Oh, no. And it was 49 pages, not including the references. What? Oh, so she did her entire research, all of yeah. the research. I wow. said that sounds that like a grad thesis. Yeah, yeah. grad. <laughs> That's awesome. I so, want to do the birth plan. Yeah, nobody, nobody read it. Nobody read no, it, of course. They don't have time to read that but, much. But, but like you said, making a birth plan is almost right. an exercise for you exactly. anyway. So it did, her, exactly. it did her good. If you're going to make a document as a communication tool, mm-hmm. keep it short. And so prioritizing what's most important to you and not trying to cover every single possibility. You probably hadn't thought of the possibility of both a posterior baby and the midwife wanting to break your Okay, water. so I guess I probably should have thought in general, like so, terms of, I would like to have things discussed with me and openly exactly. before making choices. That's probably what exactly. I should have plan- asked the midwife right. for. And you can definitely put something like mm-hmm. that on the birth plan. Yeah, that, that, that would have been That covers a lot of things, helps you feel like you have a part in the decision-making of your birth. I mean, because that's what I wanted. Really, most people who if write you, a birth plan do want that. Yeah, but I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with having a managed birth. I mean, right. I was a do-it-yourself wedding planner and there's people that go, and again, back to the wedding analogy, <laughs> and they want Frank to do it, and yeah. that is great. Right, right. So if if that's what's important to you is having that that say, then you can phrase it that way on the birth. But if you try to think of every tiny little situation that might come up and how you want every tiny little situation handled, you're probably going to drive yourself nuts. I think I did a little bit. Yeah. The first, so, I don't know, by the fourth, I chilled out way big. But keeping yeah. it short and keeping it general. <laughs> you know, I would say one page, maybe two, if you have complicated issues. Um, but keep it short. Bullet points are great. Uh, keeping it positive and absolutely prioritizing. Prioritize what's most important to you. You know, I have people that I work with that really don't care about when the cord is clamped. If you don't care, don't put it on your birth plan. Oh, that's a good point. Don't yeah. put on things that are just trendy or that right. you think matter, yeah. but don't really matter to you. Yeah, don't waste absolutely anybody's time. Prior- mm-hmm. Prioritize what's most important yeah. to you. When I work with my clients, I ask them to tell me, Uh, what are their top priorities? I said, I assume number one and number two are healthy mom and healthy baby. Yeah. But what are your priorities after that? I think sometimes ask, um, I guess, okay, back to when you're saying don't try Mm -hmm. and think about every little detail, maybe just kind of think of things that make you feel happy or uncomfortable. Like for example, um, being checked during labor. Mm -hmm. Some women really do not want to be checked during labor. Right. So it would be, if you have a question in your head going, oh, I just wish I, I could have it this way, or I wish, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. Or you see a birth mm-hmm. video and you go, oh, that, right. they, that's, that, that's how you can find the things that are important to right. you. Absolutely. And explore those. Explore what's most important to you. Mm-hmm. And those, those things, after the healthy parent and the healthy baby, after that, I've had such wide variety. 
It's amazing. I've had things, sometimes it's breastfeeding. Sometimes it's uh, avoiding pain medication. Sometimes it's staying active. Sometimes it's being involved in decision-making. I even had one client where her most important thing after her health and the baby's health was keep my mother-in-law out of the room. (laughs) And that was in big red letters? It was on her birth plan. They wrote it on the whiteboard in the room. And and the nurses did a great job of running interference and keeping her out of the room. <laughs> That's good that that, that was Absolutely. communicated. Yeah. Okay, so you've devoted the last 20 years of your life to right. create resources. And mm-hmm. um, I have seen your resources, and they are gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm, I love visual elements, but your resources are so carefully put together. So tell us a little bit more about what you've created. Okay. I have a website that is birthconnected.com, and I have on there classes for parents that they can take as they approach their delivery. Um, One of them is a birth planning class. Uh, There's also a free sample class there called Stacking the Deck for a Great Birth that Mm -hmm. you might enjoy. Um, But there's a bunch of different classes. I also have a complete childbirth education program, and it's interactive where it has activities you can do at home to help clarify your values and Figure out what's oh, most important really to cool. you. Oh, that's really cool. So kind of a template. For- Absolutely. And it includes either an online consultation with me or if you live local to me, an in-person class with me. So you can learn some of the hands-on things and get your questions answered. So it's kind of a hybrid or a blended class of online learning and personal But anybody can take it. I anybody mean, somebody, can take it. Because we're national, so anybody right. could take anybody it. Anybody can take it. Your class. So yeah, we'll either do the consultations online or in person depending on Mm-hmm. The logistics of it. Um, so FaceTime or something. Yeah. Video call. Video Very call. cool. Off any of the classes at birthconnected.com if you use the, the code birth circle. Hey, and I like that any, code. <laughs> this is for any parent C-I-R-C-L-E. Yep. And they'll get 15% off. 15% off any of the classes that are for parents. Oh man. That's too good to pass up because you can take the class anywhere. Right. Anywhere, anytime. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And do you have templates for birth planning with I that do. class? I do. Mm. The birth plan, the birth plan class, and any of the complete classes will come with my templates awesome. for birth planning. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I appreciate everything you've shared today. Please visit us at birthcircle.com. Join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to LaunchPod Media, who produces these podcasts.